Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we're back, Mrs. Harris, and it is February the 19th. Yes. And we're going to finish up what we left off yesterday. You think we'll get through these points? Uh, the, I think, think this first part, we're, we're talking about why teams fail, and then I think on Monday and Tuesday, then we'll break into why teams succeed. That way they've got a good comparison. See, this is that part, oh, then that's that I part. Oh, I see. Very good yes. notes, Julie. Thank Excellent. You. Yeah, because, you know, I didn't want it to be all doom and gloom. Here's why teams are failing. I mean, we're going to give you the factual points. I mean, we know why teams fail. We've been doing this for a long time. And then we're going to turn that ship around and show you how teams can be successful because we're not anti-team. Mm-mm. Let's be really clear. We are anti-failing team, no profit team, running a non-profit team. You know, that's bad. Really, the so. essence of the problems with any business, and this mm-hmm. shouldn't seem like it's that big of a, an epiphany or a surprise, is that they don't make any, they don't make enough profit. I know. Right? It seems so simple, and yet, you know, there's a lot of working parts, and I think it's gotten worse for these guys lately. There's too many gears to keep track of. And I always go back to the Einstein quote, you know, everything should be boiled down to its most simplistic form, and that's where your breakthrough happens. It's also, what's that, uh, Occam's razor, right? The, the, yeah, the most sh- simple answer is the answer. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so that's the essence of why teams don't ultimately work out is because they don't make enough profit, and they, don't have, and they have too much fixed costs and all these other types of things. But it's not just real estate teams, obviously. This is relevant to all businesses. But when people go, agents go in particular, uh, onto various places seeking advice and reading books and whatnot, 99% of the business developing books and gurus, have they never talk about profit. And they don't talk about profit because they're generally speaking, giving their advice. Well, first of all, maybe they themselves don't know how to make profit. Go with the most obvious answer, right? Mr. Sir Malcolm uh, will point that out, that that's probably the real essence of it. But if you go beyond that, it's because they're generally speaking, offering this advice to uh, people that might have businesses who don't, the businesses themselves don't need to make a profit because they're trying to track to be a publicly traded company. They're trying to just generate more revenue for the sake of getting an, a, an increased valuation on their business and all these other types of variables that when you're seeking advice from somebody, if you don't know what they're, you know, the ingredients that made their stew, aka their advice, you're going to essentially go down the wrong path. And that's unfortunately what a lot of business people do. If you've got a small business, and by small business, it's a business that has, say, revenue less than where the government defines of small businesses like 50 million or less but let's just say for the same uh the sake of our conversation it's it's five million in revenue or less and by revenue i don't mean the total value of the homes you sold not volume no not volume we're talking actual commission dollars and for real estate practitioners otherwise known as gci gross commission income (laughs) see how we have to say all this guys (laughs) oh it's confusing yeah especially when they're given awards for confusing things too they are if you have if you have a participation trophies basically Mm -hmm. in real have been rampant for decades. Yep. But if you want to uh, know the essence of what it takes to be or how to know whether or not you're running a successful or what it will be a sustainable long-term small business, you know, if your business has less than $5 million in actual GCI, you should be making realistically a 30 to 40% margin easily. Most of the people we coach have a usually around a 53% nut margin, which means if they make 100000 in GCI, I mean, well, frankly, if they're making 100000 in GCI, they're keeping closer to 75 or 85%. Mm-hmm. But if you're making 
making a million dollars, let's say, or $5 million, and you do have a scaled up staff and team and brokerage or whatever, it is actually possible, even in this day and age, for you to make a margin of at least 50% of what you're uh, generating in, in income. And here's the thing, again, many of you guys don't realize, ready for this, it's a big mic drop. Most brokerages in the best of times, which is probably kind of what we're experiencing now, make less than a 3% net margin. And it wasn't that way when Jules and I got in the business, you know, 25 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That the margins and brokerages were not that small. I mean, some obviously were, but lots of them were making, sure. you know, 30, 40, 50% margin. And the brokerages, the brokers themselves didn't have to sell real estate anymore. Mm -mm. You know, that fantasy life. But nowadays, it doesn't even work out like that because the margins have gotten too high because people are so, it's become so normalized to just say yes every time someone calls you and asks you for your credit card number to buy something for the sake of lead generation and all the other things that we want you to go into. So the bottom line is this, when you're making decisions about your um, your team or your brokerage, you have to be predicating them around the profit margin that you're trying to create. Because if you don't do everything with profit as the first ingredient in the stew, in other words, everything has to follow the idea that you're going to make whatever your desired percent of uh, net profit is, then you won't make it because you'll end up spending all the money. That's what all of us do. It's just human nature, you know, and not being prepared for the future, but more so the point of your business, real estate, and we talk about this in our book, Harris Rules, selling real estate has never made anybody rich. I know some of you, again, might not understand what I mean by that. So let me define it. Selling real estate doesn't make you rich. What you do with the profits from having sold real estate is what makes you rich. A lot of agents out there and teams and again, brokerages, they sell real estate. They sell a lot of real estate, but they don't have enough profit after their personal lifestyle to actually ever reinvest it and become wealthy. And so they might have these big lavish lifestyles and, you know, all the, uh, just all the, you know, bells and whistles that, that come with success, the appearance of success, the big house, the plane, the whole damn thing, but they don't actually have any net worth because they essentially they've spent it all and it because the margin out of their business wasn't high enough. And like some of you will say, well, it's their personal lifestyle was too much. But I don't, I think that's probably true. But whenever we're coaching somebody, we very rarely tell them to cut back on their personal lifestyle. What we tell them to do is trim up their business expenses and then show them how to increase revenue, thus being able to increase their profit margin. So before you get to your next point, Julie, I want to remind all of you, it's not too late for you to complete your 2021 business plan. Just text 2021 to 855-685-1045. Text 2021 to 855-685-1045. Next point, Julie. Yes, and if you missed the first five, just get caught up on yesterday's podcast. We're talking about our first point, Sarah, why teams fail. So point number six, too much emphasis on contacts, not enough on appointments, and ultimately not enough emphasis on actual contracts uh, closed. So this, this is, you know, obviously you have to make contact. It is a contact business. The general rule of thumb is if you want to do 20 deals, you should be making about 20 contacts per day of some sort. Maybe some of that is your past clients, your center of influence, more proactive stuff like for sale by owners, expireds. But really, it's not about how many contacts. And I think personally, this is kind of a bugaboo for me when um, the go-to, it's not really coaching, it's not really training, but the go-to answer for a struggling agent is, well, just make more contacts. Well, Because so there's so much more to it than that. Drill down on point six, too. It's just, it's beyond, you know, like, you know, too much emphasis on contacts. That's basically, uh, you know, advice for anybody who's already in the proactive lead generation realm. But really where this also uh, is a really great point is when you think in terms of not pre-qualifying. So not enough emphasis on actually generating a pre-qualified lead and too much emphasis on uh, essentially uh, generating a lead and then putting them into a long-term drip campaign. And that's where most of you are uh, creating the greatest sin. You create a lead, 
Um, maybe you meet somebody yeah, at an open house or maybe it's a, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter where it comes from. And then you don't actually pre-qualify that lead for motivation. You don't actually follow up with that lead and find out whether they have a house to sell, thus creating your, uh, for yourself a listing lead. You don't actually have the on the real life conversation and you're expecting all these passive digital funnels to somehow magically um, create business for you down the uh, down road and, yeah, see, and downstream. Tim, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't even call that a lead if it hasn't been pre-qualified. I would just call it a flat out contact. That's just somebody in your contacts list. Because if you haven't pre-qualified, you don't know a thing about them, you know, it might as well be the phone book. What difference well, does it make? But that's the whole, this This always goes back, Julie, to the reason that you and I are so different in what we, co- our coaching company <laughs> yeah. coaches people is because your goal is not to gather leads, to Julie's point. When you gather, leads have no value in themselves because a lead, and this is what most of you guys, again, you're struggling with. You think you win just from mass numbers and there's no research ever that's been, uh, like with regards to online lead generation, the the proof is always in the pudding. The average online uh, lead that you guys generate is absolutely unmotivated. They're just looky-loos. They're not even people walking. If you can have a visualization of walking down a, in a street where there's a bunch of storefronts, and this is a lead is not even somebody that walks in your store. A lead is merely somebody lo- looks in the window into the door as they're walking by. They're completely and totally not a you know it's not anything worth you guys following up on. And yet, what do you do? You put them in these complicated drip campaigns. You send them videos, and then you're hoping and Praying that in essence, those uh, you know, essentially those looky loos are going to turn into transactions. Statistically, that's virtually impossible. It never happens. And if had you instead basically have dropped them in that drip campaign, you could have then called them, had an actual conversation, and usually within less than you know 45 seconds, you'll have determined what their level of motivation was, and you'll have determined basically whether they're a seller or not. Most buyers, 50%, depending on your market, it could even be more, of all people that present as buyers actually have houses to sell. You're wondering where the inventory is. The inventory is on the other side of that phone call that had you actually picked that phone up and had a conversation where you were asking pre-qualifying questions, you would have gotten to the point where you'd have, you know, generated a listing lead for you, which is what all of you want. You know, this is how you build momentum in your business. And Julie and I call it furiously fast lead follow-up. And so if you're not doing furiously fast lead follow-up, and if and again, I know this is what's being taught nowadays, and it's absolutely asinine. If you think lead follow-up is dropping into a drip campaign, you've been sold a bill of goods. Lead follow-up is about picking up the phone and calling them urgently. We go as far as to say if you get a lead and they don't have a, they haven't given you their phone number, you know, and I know this is going to be a stretch for some of you, but this is really what our stance is. You get a lead and it's just a name and an email address. Look, you might be able to search it and find their phone number, and that's great. But if you can't, and if they won't give you their phone number, we suggest that you just basically hit the delete button on that and you not keep them around. There is no victory. There is no you know, honor. There's no any money that's going to come on the other side of having a massive drip campaign. So stop thinking that. Drip campaigns are for drips. Next point. Well, yes, and I, <laughs> I have to say that our more veteran agents are more clear on that generally. I do feel kind of sorry for the newbies because – they don't have, like a more experienced agent would say, you know, if it's really a lead, they act differently, right? They don't not give you their That's phone number. That's not true. You know, they don't, they don't act like that. Uh, like a real buyer lead, they're calling you, show me property. They call you back when something pops up. They act differently than somebody that's a random email with no phone number. 
Well, okay, that's a valid point, but it's in. it all comes down to your, I mean, where my mind goes with that question, Julie, is you think of all the different, say, for example, personality styles, right? Sure. A driver type is going to be more direct and wanting to get information out yep. of you. Somebody who's just an analytical information gatherer is going to yeah. do everything they can to keep you at arm's length. That's right. And they're going to give you as little amount of information as possible. Mm -hmm. And so if you, the ultimate answer to all problems, most problems, most of you guys think you have a lead generation problem and you honestly don't. You have a lead follow-up problem. Yes, I would All, agree with the, that. The war is won on the lead follow-up, ultimately. And by furiously fast, and that's a copywritten trademark you know, thing that Julie and I came up with, so please don't liberate it. But we're, that the essence of that is furiously fast lead follow-up means less than a minute to call them back. The faster, the yeah. better. No matter and, what type of lead it is. Right. And that's okay. the reason Julie and I strongly yeah. suggest all of you guys look into services like 1-800-HOME-HOTLINE.COM. 1-800-HOME-HOTLINE.COM. Just go to that website and check it out. Okay, point number seven, lack of exposure. Again, this is why teams fail. Lack of exposure to a fully functioning and profitable team model. <clears throat> Excuse me, believing that it's normal to struggle to have feast and famine. Agents tell each other that all the time. Even sometimes brokers will say that. Oh, it's normal. It's just the feast and famine of real estate. But it's lack of exposure to the fully functioning and profitable team. Sometimes, and I have had some of our one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching clients kind of shadow each other back before there was coaching. There was shadowing. You know, you'd actually they do go it now and, too. and see. Like, what does it look like to be following these rules? And if you've only been surrounded by other agents saying, oh, yeah, I'm starving too, then you might be at the wrong brokerage for one thing. Here's the bottom line to point number seven. It comes down to the same thing. It comes down to individual agents with no staff, right? It comes down to knowing what your real estate magic number of listings is. Every single successful real estate practice has to be predicated on having a consistent number of listings. That's what the real estate magic number is. That is the output of having completed your real estate treasure map to know what I'm talking about right now. So simply text 2021 to 855 685 1045. Text 2021 to 855 685 1045. And we'll text you back the real estate treasure map and you then can complete it for yourself. It's a very personal, you know, introspective business and personal. Everything's going to come together when you complete the treasure map. Incredibly important that you do this. And when you do, you're going to know what your real estate magic number is. And it's the number of listings you need at all times. Like most of you will need less than probably five listings at all times. If you have a big ongoing business with lots of fixed costs, you might need 20 or 30 listings at all times, which you've got to know. And that then becomes the North Star of your business. And frankly, when you know your real estate magic number, you will uh, magically start feeling um, a hell of a lot more confident and knowing whether you're on, on track, whether you're you know falling behind, or whether you're frankly going to exceed your goals and expectations. It all comes from knowing that one number. Yes. So point number eight, and this is totally dysfunctional for teams, mixture of jobs. For example, Buyers agents who are part-time transaction coordinators, assistants who also do marketing and maybe part-time photography, jacks of all trades, but masters of none. There's a lot of that, right? Where, you know, okay, I've got somebody who's really competent at this. Let's throw that at them and make them do that too. So one of the future points for Monday is the complete separation of jobs. So if you're supposed to be a buyer's agent, you be the best buyer's agent you can be. If you're a listing agent, you're a listing agent. The only mixture, and we'll talk about this next week, is transaction coordinators, for example, doing BPOs. Well, Aside from that, 
We shouldn't be double duty. There's no efficiency in that. You said it. Transaction coordinators doing BPOs so that their uh, rowers, not riders. Right. And it also makes them smarter and able to price. And, right. you know, there's good and, things about that. But to that. that, to these points, Julie, there are very elegant, uh, you know, contract TCs that you can hire. You don't actually have to have a transaction coordinator working directly, uh, you know, for you. So there's like EXP Realty, for example, announced last year that they're going to start their own transaction coordination business just for their EXP agents. So that's something that's very... An simple elegant solution mm-hmm. i don't know do you know how much it is per file i have no it's idea it's not i think it's less than 100 bucks i think i have to check. i don't know but that's what you'd um, want to do and that's okay. going to save you the a fixed cost of having a uh, transaction coordinator on salary and, and here's a light bulb there are transaction coordinators in the world who love being transaction coordinators yeah. they are kick-ass at it they're like actually better than most agents at it because that's in their wheelhouse they like that part of the business versus how many agents reach their speed limit because they can't handle all of the transactional, you know, all the surrounding inspections, appraisals, and financing. And they feel like, I can't do another deal because I can't manage all of it. Tra- a great transaction coordinator can actually allow you to maybe even do twice as much business as you are. And yes, guys, if you want Julie and I to sponsor you at eXp, yes, you can text me directly. And yes, Julie and I will be your sponsor at eXp. Just text me directly at 512-758-0206. 512-758-0206. Remember, in your real estate business, at the end of the day, there's really only three things you have to really be good at. And that's going to be proactive lead generation, pre-qualifying, and presenting. If you only get the good at those three things, then you're going to have a fantastic real estate career. To Julie's point with regards to transaction coordination work, you don't ever have to get good at it. You should understand it so that when you delegate it, you can you won't obfuscate from the responsibility. You'll still understand if they come up against any challenges. But at the end of the day, those are the three activities that you have to be good at. You are terrible at everything else. It's just fine. Well, I mean, you could argue too negotiation, especially when the market starts to shift. But right now, let's be honest, negotiation isn't really a factor so much because the market's so hot. Buyers just pay wherever the hell is in the market's going to demand. Choose the best contracts. You know, <laughs> exactly. That's not the same as choose the best. Choose the best yeah. contract, demand a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. Next point. Okay, point number nine, overpaying buyer's agents. Oh, I know this is a controversial one, but here's how I look at this. You okay? mean on teams? On teams. Yeah. On teams. I don't mean like your co-op agent when you're a listing agent. Uh, Teams that overpay their buyer agents. So for example, here's how I look at that. If the transaction is a pie and we have these different pieces and the buyer's agent is maybe doing a little pre-qualifying, but if we're being honest, most of the time they don't. They're taking a, a decent lead. They're showing property, they're writing the contract, they're getting them in contract. That's like maybe three pieces of a 12 piece pie and yet they're getting paid 50%. Fifty percent. So, so you know this is I mean? Julie's making a real. Hopefully, and this is again in our book Harris Rules. It's available everywhere. But so there's in essence, if you think about it, and this is very an excellent point. Is there's three parts to a transaction: lead generation, you know, essentially putting the buyer, finding the house, putting the buyer in contract, and closing of the transaction. So there's no reason why a buyer's agent that works for you as part of your staff should be getting paid 50%. They're they, not doing 50% of the work. They're doing a third of the work. And they're certainly not spending 50% of the effort. And certainly don't have 50% of the risk. No, that's for sure. <laughs> so it doesn't sure make hell, any sense. They sure as hell shouldn't be making 50% of the profit. Because when you guys just think about this numerically, the cost of the lead and the cost of closing the transaction. If those two things, let's say, is essentially 70% of the, it, where the expense goes. And then you guys are then paying the buyer's agents 50%. 70 plus 50 is 120, which means you're losing on average at least 20% on every transaction. And by the way, that's what we've consistently found when Julie and I do deep dives into your usually 
debauched uh, profit and loss statements. But when we actually get into it, we'll find that almost always the larger the team with the more of the buyer agents, the less virtually they're not making any money. It's a, on the buyer agent side. It co- becomes a function of how much is the listing side of the business subsidizing, subsidizing. the buyer agent side of the business, which is really tragic because that's where the profit's yeah. supposed to come from. No bueno. Okay. Point number 10, and this is one of your favorite points, driving revenue into the ground through the addiction of buying leads. Yep. And you know, it is, it has totally and completely become normalized for brokerages and agents and teams and everybody else to think it's the obligation of the broker or the team to uh, provide leads. And I, I hear that and Julie's uh, d- departing now. So if you hear a door squeak, don't worry about it. One of these days, I'm actually going to get around to uh, WD forwarding that door. <laughs> One of these days. Okay. <laughs> um, and, and it is fascinating to me when people are talking, when they, it's so like expected that buyer leads are going to be part of the equation when an agent uh, joins any kind of team or brokerage. Why is that true? Why is it that brokers and teams, why is it that you guys feel obligated to provide buyer leads? It does not make any sense. Don't you realize what you're doing is you're essentially making these um, agents, they're never going to be anything other than glorified uh, showing agents. When Julie and I had our team and we had you know, usually around seven buyer's agents working for us, we did not provide them with any leads. We did provide them with training on how to go out and do open houses. We did provide them and hold them accountable to doing furiously fast lead follow-up. We did actually have a, you know, 1-800, uh, a system similar to 1-800 home hotline in place where they would have their leads day and the leads, their leads came off all the for sale signs that we had uh, in different yards. And then basically the call to action on the sign was for free 24-hour recorded information on this home call 1-800 and then whatever our number was and the extension that um, corresponded to that particular listing. And beyond that, we didn't really do that much for lead generation for the buyer's agents. They were responsible for generating their own leads. Now I can see, and I totally understand what happens, what has happened in the last, you know, since Zillow basically. So you guys who have these teams, you're feeling all this internal, you know, really frankly, pressure to buy buyer leads so that you can then start bragging about having sold dozens and dozens of houses per month and hundreds of homes per year. And you get all this pressure from your buyer's agents because they're all over these Facebook groups and whatnot, you know, talking about how they feel entitled to have free buyer uh, buyers, you know, leads generated for them. Nobody, it seems, builds their business right now with profit as being the first ingredient in the mix. That's in as soon as you start buying buyer leads, as soon as you start creating this, you know, business culture of entitlement, isn't it strange? Think about just where all these thoughts go. So you have a bunch of buyer agents working for you. You now have set the bar that you're going to start providing buyer leads for them. Where's the reverse accountability? In other words, what's to say the quality of the buyer leads that are, they're actually following up with the buyer leads. First of all, we know generated buyer leads online are generally speaking very motivated, uh, unmotivated, right? Very, very low quality leads. All of you guys know that. It, there's no, the, you know, the jury is totally in on that point. But even if you provide thousands of leads to these different these buyers agents that you have working for you, here's what you're going to discover. Most people, not just buyers agents, most people will only work to the point where they no longer feel uh, financial pressure. And here's what the magic number is. And I hope you guys are understanding what I'm saying. And if not, if you're going to just forge forward and you're going to follow one of these, you know, really goofy business plans that are being uh, preached to agents as far as, you know, buyer's agents and work on your branding and buy buyer leads and buy, you know, hire somebody to go on listing appointments for you. And you're going to find out the hard way that what Julie and I have been saying for years is true, that there's no profit at the end of that rainbow. 
Well, then you need to have that learning experience for some reason. You're feeling very masochistic and you're going to basically torture yourself. And the future self is going to look back upon you listening to this podcast today and wish that you would have listened to what I'm saying. Because what I'm saying is that pathway leads to no profit. But what happens is most of the buyer's agents, they're going to work so that they have some resemblance of financial security and then they're not going to work past that. So you can have, for now, there will be the 1% of buyer's agents that will be an exception. Trust me, I know they're out there. They're exceptional. But for the most part, that's what people are going to do. And I'll tell you what the number is, too. And I see this again because I work with, Julie and I work with a lot of teams, and we look with, work with a lot of brokerages, which are basically just big teams providing buyer leads. Most agents will stop really being aggressive with lead follow-up if they ever were in the first place. Will stop essentially being really, you know, drilled down in their businesses when they have roughly $7,500 pending. When they have $7,500 coming in sometime in the next 30 days, but usually it's the next 30 to 60 days, you're going to find most of the buyer's agents and most agents in general will just back off because they have some resemblance of financial security. Um, you know, when Julie and I were had our real estate team, it was five grand. When a buyer's agent had five thousand dollars coming in in the next thirty to forty-five days, they pretty much could be uh, have the best lead ever dropped in their laps, and they really wouldn't work them because they didn't have to because they had financial security for the next thirty days. We don't need to worry about the psychology of why people think or act like that. There's no point in it. You're not going to change them, but you just have to accept that's how most people are. I mean, think about this. Put you know, scale this up to everyone in the United States. The average uh, American only has $400 saved. Well, why is that true? Because they have jobs. Their paycheck provides that psychological feeling of security for them. And so they don't really think they have to save money because they think they're going to get their paycheck the following month. And hopefully they do. So that mean, that creates this atmosphere. Well, why should I basically worry about saving money? I can spend it on my lifestyle and, you know, wash, rinse, repeat. And that's what's basically been happening in our country for, you know, ages. There is no a savings culture in the United States. And there is going to not be a culture in you know any real estate brokerage really or team of people really working at a high level for this for the sake of you know earning enough money that they can reinvest that the profit that comes from their business and create passive income through investments, rental properties, multifamily, single families, you know, on all kinds of different securities and dividend paying stocks and all the things we talk about in Harris Rules that should be the uh, results of your output from having created a profitable real estate practice. And here's really what I want you to remember. Real estate and being successful in this industry, it really is not difficult. It is honestly not complicated. It's the people that are selling you stuff that want you to believe that it's complicated. It's the people that are selling you stuff that fool you into thinking that it has to be complicated. It's not. And I want you to really, really just come on, cut through the BS in your head and think about what I'm saying. You always are going to have people, no matter where you go. You can be living in Nome, Alaska, where we have coaching clients and podcast listeners. You can be living in, I mean, anywhere on, the, on planet Earth. And you are constantly surrounded every single moment of your life by people that need a home, right? Start there. I mean, just think about that. You are constantly surrounded by people. I mean, Frederick Eklund, I had him, um, you guys know him from uh, New York, uh, selling million dollar agent, New York, whatever it was on Bravo. And he was on our podcast and he, you know, he basically, he and I were talking about this very thing. He said he walks out of his building in Manhattan every day 
And he said, basically, he's rubbing shoulders with people, no matter what direction he goes, that have to buy or sell real estate. They have to have a place to live. They always will have to have a place to live, whether it's going to be leasing or buying, selling or whatever. That is the blessing of real estate. So you were smart enough, whether you thought it like that, thought about it like that or not, I don't know, but who cares? You were smart enough to get into a business and industry where everybody needs what you're what you have to, to sell other than commodities, other than things like toilet paper, water, energy, food. Can you think, and even food, you could argue, I mean, there's so many different, ver- you know, you could, so many different options, right? But can you think of anything that's as beautiful and elegant as the industry in which you find yourself in, where everybody needs what you have to sell? I had a guy that I was, uh, <laughs> that, um, uh, he just, uh, he got his real estate license. This is somebody I was, uh, who texted me because he wanted to join EXP. Um, and EXP is perfect for new uh, realtors. And he texted me and he and I were, you know, talking in text. And then I ended up picking up the phone, calling him. And he had this great background selling knives door to door. And I promise you, if he knows how to sell knives door to door and he was successful at it, he will kick ass selling real estate because he knows how to sell something that probably virtually nobody actually needs by the time he knocks on that cold door. That's somebody that's learned how to sell. That's, I mean, guys, think about how much harder it is to sell a knife than it is to sell real estate. And yet there's industries, most industries are essentially, um, you know, selling something that only a few people need at, the, at a particular time. I've coached people that have sold private jets, for example. And the whole private jet thing, if you sell maybe five or six private jets per year, you're a rock star. And the, the lead to sale uh, life cycle and when you're selling private jets couldn't be you know like a decade or, or it's ridiculous. It's such a long sales cycle. For, frankly, it would drive me crazy, right? Most of you as well. You know, we're like, um, you know, cracked up squirrels. We, we like things to happen quicker. Most of you are like that. So the reality of it is, is you are blessed to find yourself in the right industry. Now, why make it complicated? Because you know everyone around you has to buy or sell real estate. Always will be the case, always has been the case. So if they have to, you know, buy or sell or lease real estate, and everyone, everyone's around you. Why do you think you have to be learning all these complicated lead generation funnels to then the output of all that is generating very low quality, mostly unmotivated leads? Why would you do that? Why would you actually spend money and time learning how to generate leads that at the end of the day are very low quality and unmotivated? Statistically, what I'm selling, telling you is true. Go online, poke around. If you don't believe what I'm saying, go and find out the people that are talking about the quality of the leads they get from the various portals that they're buying. Low quality, unmotivated. So doesn't this seem asinine? A, we know everyone wants to buy or sell real estate. B, we know that basically agents are, for some reason, thinking it's harder than it is. And I think the reason you guys think it's harder than it is is because you are you do not want to, your ego or something else is not allowing you to actually accept the fact that you are in a business that does not have to be complicated. Our minds like to make things more complicated, but it's not complicated. Here, I'll prove it to you. Ready? How much listeners, how much would you guys pay right now if every single one of you, and there's, I don't even know how many of you are listening to the show today, 20,000 of you will download and listen or more. How many of you would pay me if I were to provide each of you a list of say 10 motivated sellers? I am, I got a list for your individual market. Here's a list of 10 motivated sellers. How much are you willing to pay me per each of those leads? Right? I know what you pay for buyer leads. Some of you guys are paying 30 to 40 bucks 
for an unmotivated buyer lead. It's insanity. And you guys think, well, I'm doing great. I'm only paying 52 cents. Why are you paying 52 cents for an unmotivated buyer lead? It makes no sense. So I'm asking you, if I were to provide you right now with 10 motivated seller leads, 10, how much would you be willing to pay for that? And I know the answer thousands of dollars. I'll give you, I'll prove it to you because you guys are willing to pay referral fees of 25 to 50%. Again, we've seen coaching clients that have you know, come into our fold. They are wanting to basically hit the hard reset on their businesses. They want to learn the profitable way to build their real estate practices. We look at their spreadsheets. We look to see what they're paying for lead for referrals. I have seen, and it's common nowadays, it's not even an anomaly. I have seen so many referral fees that are around 50%. Like some of you guys are working at brokerages, you'll get a referral for, you know, it doesn't matter, some reload deal. And by the time you actually figure out what your net commission was, after all the takes from that uh, that paycheck, you're making probably about 15 to 20%. But you didn't do the math and you don't know it. Why did you buy the business? The only reason you bought that business is because you didn't know how to get it yourself. Now, agent to agent referrals, you know, for a 25% referral fee, frankly, that makes perfect sense to me. But all these other, you know, businesses that have gotten in the way, but gotten between you and your client, you're choosing to keep those businesses alive. I mean, Gary Keller, frankly, said this perfectly uh, with regards to Zillow. All of you are choosing to keep Zillow alive. Zillow will not be alive if you stop doing business with them. If you look at Zillow's uh, profit and loss statement, virtually all of their real income, the money that is not, like when they talk about the money, that the revenue they're making from flipping houses, uh, if you, you know, Mike Delpreet did a great job of drilling down on their numbers, they're losing tens of thousands of dollars per flip. But the revenue, the actual income that they're making, that's, you know, essentially the good part of their balance sheet is coming from agents who are buying buyer leads. It's coming from all of you. Why are you doing it? You're being fooled into thinking the buyer leads are hard to get. They're not. You just aren't learning how to be a proactive lead generator. So I'm going to give you two simple things. I just been asking you, how much would you be willing to pay for a list of 10 motivated sellers? We already know the answers and you know a ridiculous amount of money, but I'm going to do you a favor. I'm going to tell you how you can get that list for free. Ready? They're called all the sellers in your marketplace who have their hands in the air right now having to sell houses. They're the notices defaults. They're the expireds. They're for sale by owners. They're the, you know, they're the, the Liz Pens. There's the, um, uh, I'm trying to remember, probate. <laughs> and there's all these other sources of business that you guys could be attracting that we teach you in our coaching business. All those sources of business are free. You just have to learn how to basically pick up the phone, have a conversation, convert those people to want to be doing business with you. And here's what you're going to believe, and it's not true. It's a total lie. You're going to think that the world is just uh, a wash of people that are doing the proactive lead generation. And like you're going to see a for sale by owner and you're going to you know psych yourself into believing that that FISBO is, even, that is essentially having realtors nonstop trying to convert them into a seller, a listing lead. And you'll be shocked when you realize that's actually not true because most agents aren't being taught to be proactive lead generators. They're being taught to buy leads. And so they don't even see that sign when they drive past that for sale by owner. They wouldn't know it to do it at an expired listing if it bit them in the butt. Tim, there's no expired listings in my marketplace and all the for sale by owners are selling themselves. That is not true. You just aren't looking hard enough. You're not looking at a big enough area. You're not looking at old expired. You're not just, you're not doing the real work to discover where the gold is. And that's the reason that all these companies have crept in and have destroyed the profit margins of real estate brokerages and teams because nobody's stopping the insanity. And again, I'm going to give credit to Mr. Keller. He absolutely said it does not make sense 
for agents to continue to support when it is amounting to the destruction of their individual profit margins. That isn't what he said. That's what Tim said, right? But that is what the essence of what he said. And even what Glenn Sanford said, when you actually look at the numbers of what these uh, iBuyer, uh, Open Door, and uh, you know, um, Zillow, what they're actually producing, they're not, their average, the average VIG or commission basically that they're charging these sellers is over 11%. So if you now it's what's fascinating to me is that now that Zillow is a real estate brokerage and now that Zillow is going to have to play by all the rules that all of us have had to play uh, with and play by for decades, uh, they're not necessarily going to be able to do some of the things they've been able to do because what's going to happen is the agents are going to start filing complaints again uh, to the various state associations and the state boards of realtors, but even more importantly, the state's Department of Commerce. And you're probably going to see Zillow have to basically be a little bit more, uh, I think, what we'd call truly consumer friendly, not just the facade of uh, consumer friendly. At the end of the day, you've got to be making a decision whether or not you want to make a profit in this business or whether you just want to be a peacock who gets to brag about your volume and your units. Because most agents that you know, unfortunately, they don't get into the business thinking that's what's going to be ultimately uh, their output, but that is what happens. They get into the business hoping and praying that they can build a successful business that they're proud of, that you know they can maybe uh, you know have a better personal life, have a better professional life. They can be proud of themselves. They can be build something that their family can maybe one day get involved in legacy businesses. They can produce profit. They can just all these things, right? And then you get into the business. And then you're basically told it's complicated. You're told that you have to buy leads. You're told that you need expensive CRMs, that you have to work on your branding, told that you have to work on your culture, told that you have to build a team. Does any of this make sense if you just peel back the layers to the original uh, sub point I made? Everybody needs to live in a home. Leads are not hard to get. Why don't you just basically call the people that have their houses in the air and hands in the air saying, yes, I want to sell a house? Because when you have listing inventory, that's where the clouds part and you can clearly see your North Star. Having listing inventory gives you freedom. It gives you leverage. And you laugh at all these people trying to sell you the gimmicks because you see them for what they are. When you have listing inventory and you have to know what your magic number of listings is, then that number of listings is essentially the formula is the number of listings you have to have at all times. And we'll, you know, we're, where there'll be like if you had 10 listings at all times in most markets, you're going to have at least, and I know, you know, it's at least three of those listings sell per month. And most of the country right now, that will, that will um, you know, the output of that would be $30,000 a month, $360,000 a year, right? So for you to get to 10 listings, that's the challenge. That's the goal. That's what we teach you how to do in our coaching program. When you have that, when you have that business, I want you to visualize that for a second. You have a dry erase board. You have 10 listings on the dry erase board. You have another dry erase board. And we teach you how to do all this in the real estate treasure map. Just text 2021 to 855 685 1045. You walk in your office, you have a dry erase board with one through 10. Let's just say 10 is your, again, your magic number of listings. Another dry erase board that has all your number of, you know, your, your listings goal for the year. Your goal for the year is to sell, say, 35 houses, right? So you're gonna draw, you're gonna write one through 35 on your, on your sold board. And then again, I don't wanna, you know, get into the real details of the other things we want you to write down on the dry erase boards, but that's the essence of it. You walk into your office, you know what your mission is. Your mission is to get to and then maintain 10 listings at all times. And we'll know statistically uh, from your MOS data that when you have 10 listings at all times, on average, three will be in contract every month. That means your mission every single month is to replace the listings that sell. That becomes your entire business. That's it. That's it. 
If you don't want to work with buyers, you don't have to work with buyers. You can refer them out to other agents in your marketplace after you pre-qualified them to essentially determine whether they had houses to sell. Uh, you know, obviously you want the listings, but then you can refer those buyer leads out to agents that are independent of you, not on your team, or you can, you know, create a little, you know, a, a showing team if you want to of independent agents, that's perfectly fine. And refer those buyer leads out for 35%. Your margin doing it the way I just prescribed to you will be far greater than if you try to basically do it the way everyone else is teaching you to do it. You guys get it? But you understanding what I'm saying here, aren't you? You don't have to work with buyer leads. You don't have to buy buyer business. You don't have to do all the things that all these businesses are telling you that you need to do if you learn how to be a powerful listing agent. I, I'm honestly, I, it, it, it's bizarre to me that any of you would have even the slightest bit of hesitation um, to seeing the truth in what I'm telling you. Why do you allow yourself to suffer needlessly uh, learning what I just told you is true. Just cut through the BS, get to the point where you're going to say, I am not going to be suckered anymore into being a sucker. I'm going to focus on my best energies every single day on learning how to be you know, the best version of myself as a listing agent. And when you do that and you do it proactively, I, the guys on the other side of that is exactly what you want. It's the freedom that you want. It's the cash flow that you want. It's the consistency that you want. You can have a normal working day when you have a listings-based business. You start at nine, you end at five if you choose to. Now, look, when you're busy, you're going to be busy, right? You're going to have a seller that wants to meet you at seven o'clock and you're going to have, you know, maybe an opportunity to double in one of your listings and all these types of things are going to happen. You know, you make hay while the sun is shining. Julie and I are from Ohio and that is, a, you know, an Ohio saying, but you make hay while the sun is shining. But what I'm saying is you don't have to even think about all these other things that really suck the life energy out of so many agents. And, you know, so many agents are chasing all these, you know, these shiny objects, these these rabbits, like I was, uh, you know, on our uh, patio last night here in Puerto Rico, and um, Julian and I got a bug zapper, right? And this, <laughs> and this bug zapper, obviously, are they're bright lights, and they're pulling in, you know, mosquitoes, and the mosquitoes are getting zapped. And I just thought to myself, and I put a little Instagram video up. That is exactly like uh, what it's like to be an agent nowadays. And you know, it's the shiny object syndrome, but I'm gonna start calling it. Julian, I'm gonna start calling it the bug zapper syndrome because you shine, you fly to the pretty light and then you get zapped uh you know and maybe the first zap doesn't completely take you out so you get zapped again and again and again you know what i'm saying is true intuitively you know what i'm saying is true so why don't you move forward with that what's the emotion that's holding you back it's fear of the unknown it's knowing that you don't necessarily have the skill set it's not knowing how to compete you want to be a listing agent you know you do you know basically that that's the frankly the more graceful side of the business it's the it's where you can have more control so why don't you just decide, opposed to spending a bunch of time worrying about how to create you know, 14 phase Facebook funnels, why don't you instead focus on how to become a listing agent? You have to have a pre-list, you have to know how to proactively generate. You have to know what to say. You have to have scripts or you know, what we call conversation outlines because that's in essence what they are. You have to have a pre-qualifying script, definitely. You have to have a pre-listing pack. You have to have a listing presentation. You have to actually know how to be a professional. When you do that, when you just master those activities that I just gave you, the rest of the stuff becomes optional. Optional to the point where you never have to do it. And we have, I don't even know how many coaching clients at this point. I don't even want to throw out a number. I'm sure it's a four-digit number. It might even be a five-digit number. That that's all they do. 
I'm thinking right now, frankly, of Chuck Williamson. Chuck Williamson in um, uh, North Carolina. I'm trying to think. Wilson, North Carolina. Ha, I remembered. So he has, last year, I forget how, what his volume was in his units, but he sells between two and three, two to 300 homes per year. He makes just millions and millions of dollars per year. And he has like one and a half assistants. He, the only buyers he'll work with are the buyers that want to buy his listings. All he does, his only focus is doing following our system precisely, exactly. That's what he's done. He uses his version of our scripts because he's in a place where people talk a little bit. You know, you know, it's it's like Murphy, North Carolina. People aren't as direct as you know. So he's he's taken the scripts, he's internalized them, then he personalized them, which is what we prescribe for all of you to do. And he has dominated this Wilson, North Carolina area for a long damn time and has made himself genuinely rich. He has investment properties, he has assets. He and I exchange you know, texts from time to time about different things he should invest in. And yes, guys, he too became an EXP realtor and had Julie and I sponsor him like last year. And he's earned a, a huge amount of money from EXP as a passive source of income. So your pathway is right in front of you. You can stop searching for it or trying to piece together your own you know, patchwork quilt of ideas. This is the pathway if your goal is to make profit. And I beg that your goal should always beg to you that your your goal should be to make profit because if you're not going to be consciously focused on making profit in your business, you won't make any profit. You'll spend it all. You'll have buyers agents that basically cry all the time like angry birds, wanting to basically have more leads. Oh, the leads, the leads. We need more leads, right? You're gonna be you're gonna it, someone's gonna call you and say, Julie or Tim or Bob, do you want to? You know, this is a great opportunity. We have limited opportunity for you to become the preferred you know agent in our marketplace for blah, blah, blah. How many calls and solicitations are you going to have to endure before you're willing to say, before you just intuitively know that you don't need it because you can proactively lead generate yourself? If you don't accept this, uh, essentially this business, you know, forward slash lifestyle that Julie and I have been coaching all of you guys to do for decades, if you don't actually accept it, what's on the other side of it? Are you going to make profit? Probably not. Real estate business, selling real estate guys does not make you rich. We said this yesterday, it always raises eyebrows, but it's very true. Selling real estate does not make you rich. Say that to yourself, see how that sets, and I'll give you the relief here in a second. Selling real estate does not make you rich. It's what you do with the profits from having sold real estate that makes you rich. And if you don't have profits from your selling real estate practice, then you are never going to be rich. You're just going to be paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. And if you have a couple bad months, if you know, like freaking COVID, right? A year ago, um, that hit. Nobody expected it. That was the black swan of black swans. You think we're done with black swans? Heck no. We're going to have lots more black swans in our lifetimes. But if you're essentially your business is predicated on buying business and doing things the way that, frankly, everyone else other than Julie and I tell you to do it, you're going to struggle needlessly. But if you've accepted the fact that your real mission in real estate is to produce huge profit margins, and so which, with that profit, you then can reinvest it and you can become rich, where your income, a majority of your income comes in passively, and so that one day you can choose, like, you know, you guys have all heard this before, longtime listeners, if you want ever-increasing levels of success in your business and personal life, you know, master the art and science, basically, of doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. But here's the thing that happens. First of all, you're never going to not have to do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level, no matter how, you know, rich and how independently wealthy you become. There always are going to be certain things you have to do at certain times you don't want to do. That's just life. But 
the equation or the percent of time you spend doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level drops substantially the more wealth you have because you don't have to if you choose not to. So you go from a life of doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. In other words, you you do the work. You endure the time that's necessary for you to become a true expert at something. And then you reinvest the you know profit and that creates wealth for you. And then you can get to the point where 90% of your life, you can do what you want to do when you want to do it at whatever level you want to do. I'm going to add a fourth little caveat to it. And you can actually spend time with people you want to spend time with. Until you get to that point, you have to basically be willing to help anybody in real, that wants to buy or sell real estate. You have to endure different personalities. You have to essentially be a, you know, it's sometimes you have to be an emotional, um, you know, pin cushion for people. All these things are necessary as you're building your business. You're going to have to do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. And, you know, maybe the fourth element there is with people you choose not to normally do, you know, spend your time with. That's okay. That's what it takes. That's what it takes to be successful. If that grinds some of you, if you don't like it, trust me, I understand. I don't like it either, but I know it's true. And I'm not going to tell you something that you want to hear because I'm going to tell you what you should hear because I know the output of that is going to be, you're going to be thankful um, in the future version of you and your family. And, you know, frankly, everyone else you choose to have a positive impact on will be incredibly grateful that you are willing to push past your reluctance to do the real work of real estate and you were willing to accept that everything you want in life is on the other side of doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. Hopefully all this resonates with all of you. I know I know it doesn't. I, I mean, I'm not stupid, right? Julian, I've been doing this for a long time. Um, but for those of you that it does resonate with, it really resonates, doesn't it? Because you're tired of being tired. You're sick of being sick. You're you're done being, you know, chasing the, you know, being the bug to the light. You are so absolutely sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know that the struggle uh, to, you know, essentially all the things you guys spend time struggling with your branding and your buying leads and your building teams. Hopefully I've cracked enough uh, into that solid ice in your mind that you're starting to realize that you can actually break through. Hopefully you're realizing that none of those things are really necessary for you to build a very successful, uh, profitable business which is the ultimate goal. Not, you know, a, the goal is not to build a, something that's going to sell lots and lots of houses and generate lots and lots of revenue so you can get lots and lots of attention and ego and recognition and awards. It's to produce profit. And when you're running a profit-minded business, everything and all the attributes that you want to have associated with you will automatically basically come into your life. If you want people to love you, if you want people to respect you, if you want to be a purpose in your business, in your community, if you want to be somebody has created something substantial, it all comes from the on the other side of having helped a whole bunch of people. It comes on the other side of basically being of service to other people. That's our mission. Hopefully you'll feel that this podcast and all of our literally thousands of others of podcasts and our millions of coaching calls have been serviced uh, to all of you. If there's ever anything that Julie and I can do for you guys, please remember we're here for you. You are our, our professional life mission. Not our personal life mission, but you are our professional life mission. If there's anything we can ever do for you, please text me directly at 512-758-0206. 512-758-0206. Again, text me at 512-758-0206. In the meantime, you guys have a fantastic day. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. 
Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. Thank you.